We welcome you to another episode of Mill Valley's Curtain Theatre Podcast, Behind the Curtain, an official Curtain Theatre production. More information can be found at curtaintheatre.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, the Curtain Theatre Podcast. We are the Curtain Theatre in Mill Valley, California, doing free outdoor Shakespeare every year for how many years now? This would be the 23rd production. 23 years of outdoor theater. That's amazing. Um, so I'm sitting down right now with Michelle Galatra, Don Clark, and Stephen Beecroft. The, um, the, you guys are the board of the Curtain Theater at the moment, right? Pretty and, much. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we're missing our stage manager. We also drag in. But, um. <laughs> sure thing. But you guys are the so three very essential members of the company mm-hmm. who have been with it for a while now. Yeah. And so let's talk the Curtain Theater. So I'd love to just get uh, a sense from each of you. Like, what is, what is the Curtain? How would you, you know, sell this company to, 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 to an outsider? What would, what would you tell them about it? Well, I'd say it's Shakespeare's God Intended. <laughs> <laughs> out, out in the outside world, it's free. There's original acoustic music. There's no microphones, no electricity in the productions. It's just the sound of the human voice, some wonderful uh, sets that are, are one of our founders, Steve Coleman, mm-hmm. designed. And we, we exist really because of, of a wonderful natural space where it's outdoors and intimate at the same time, which mm-hmm. is a very rare combination. The Redwoods are part of the stage. There's a beautiful Old Mill Creek winding behind the stage. And uh, people come to see the show, but a lot of people are just wandering through the park and they say, what, what the heck? And then they get sucked into the production. Yeah. So it's a, a very organic, very low budget. You know, we are the antithesis of, say, Ashland or or Stratford in the sense of, you know, for the lowest, probably the lowest budget continuing running show in the country, <laughs> you get a pretty good deal. <laughs> pretty good shows. Yeah. We have a high bar, low, <clears throat> low budget. Well, it was originally put together for the Mill Valley Centennial mm. as a community celebration. So it kind of has its roots in, in always being aware that we're part of a community. And the natural amphitheater that we're working in just forces you into that. Everybody's right in your lap. It's very, it's small, but it's um, you're in an open park, and somehow it still encloses you in its little world. Mm-hmm. And you can really share with an audience live theater, which nothing nothing is like that. I mean, that's a very unique experience. You can't get that in Fillmore and. Anything else I can think of is this coming together of an audience and a crazy bunch of uh, mad actors and production people to share a story that's different every single time Mm -hmm. you see it and you participate in it. And sometimes you have the random dog coming through or (laughs) a child trying to climb up the side of the stage. A leaf blower. A leaf blower, (laughs) yes. We have a battle with a leaf blower behind us. So there's an element of, of... but it's kind of called scrappiness to being outside. You don't have the slick buildings and storage, which we wish we had. Uh, but you have this kind of magic of being in a uniquely gorgeous spot with people who really appreciate both the space and the story being told. Mm-hmm. We choose stories that are... that. The, 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 the pieces of Shakespeare that we do, we recognize are things which are about community coming together, uh, suffering and winning and losing and, 
and they are ones that can be done in the park, the forest comedies or the romances. And we're doing a tragedy this year. We don't very often do that because it's a little hard to have the occasional dog run across King Lear. But mm-hmm. it, it is a, uh, it's it's very true to the play, true to the stories. I think we we try and stick to really being able to tell the story for someone who might not have ever it's, seen Shakespeare. It's, um, people ask us sometimes, oh, is it a kid's show? And we say, no, a lot of kids don't won't get it, but for some, the kids who do get it, it's a life-changing experience for some kids. And uh, um, So we don't dumb it down for anyone, but we try to make them pretty engaging, accessible selections as far as the, product, the shows we decide to do. And we also put in a lot of choreography, a lot of fight choreography, so quite often, as you know, we'll, we'll be rehearsing and kids and families will come and they'll sit and they'll watch all the rehearsals mm-hmm. because it's entertaining just that. Um, and that brings them in and it makes it more interesting for everybody. Um, I, would, I would just add a couple of things. On the community side, it really is in, in the best of the sense of the world of community theater because I think we do extraordinarily good productions, but this is entirely inclusive. Mm-hmm. This is free. So Mill Valley has Mill Valley Arts Festival. It has a Mill Valley Film Festival. All those cost quite a lot of money to do. Mm-hmm. You can come to the Shakespeare production, bring your picnic, bring your kids, and it's all entirely free. And I, I'm, I'm personally, I think we all are very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing you find is that you know, the community has really gotten used to this. And so I live in Mill Valley. I get people in the winter coming up to me in the square in Mill Valley saying, what's the production? You know, and kids come running up and say, that was a great show last year. So it's yeah. really quite rewarding. Yeah, I was doing the other day. I got recognized at the Pete's Coffee down the street <laughs> by all the baristas. We're like, "Oh, you're you're, you're Valentine." <laughs> it's it's a, my 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 mom calls it being Marinfamous. Marinfamous. <laughs> my great yeah. one is I've, I've had several times where kids have come up, you know, teens or whatever, and said. You're the Shakespeare man. <laughs> I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it's 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 a really it's a really sweet thing because, like you said, this is this totally inclusive event, being free and being in the park. It's not like a mountain play where you got to take a huge hike up to it. I mean, and also pay, but also it's not like all these other and not like those aren't those aren't wonderful. But I mean. There's a there's a a barrier to entry. If you don't want to put out the money for it, you can't go. But with here, you know, probably a lot of people come here who don't normally go to the theater, right? Yeah, I think so. How, how's the response been? Like from like you mentioned the people in the community noticing stuff, but like after shows, uh, um, you talk about people coming to rehearsals. Like, how do you feel the community ha- has started to feel about the curtain? I think they feel part of it. Mm, I, mean, yeah, I think that they, I really appreciate it, especially people who've had kids that came and got hooked. Because you do at some point, if you're a Shakespeare maniac, like you have to be in order to produce this particular kind of theater. You have to be special kind of madness where you're in your happiest zone doing Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You get a bug at some point. It's usually when you're pretty young yeah. that you see it. And this is one of the... Uh, opportunities for that to happen, especially if you, you don't you aren't able to take a kid to Ashland or someplace where they get a live outdoor that's not um, that hasn't been interpreted mm-hmm. uh, overly much. What one of the things I think about the plays that we do is that uh, we try and stick to an aesthetic in the park, which you know work, doesn't ignore the park that's yeah. there. So mm-hmm. and also that is not. Really, it isn't that our directors don't work their tails off putting these plays up, but that it's not 
uh, visibly this is the director's interpretation of this play. Mm-hmm. Instead, they come away really feeling like they know the play yeah. and that it's that they really have participated in the story. Now you can go <clears throat> and see Two Gentlemen of Verona as a musical on Mars and you will <laughs> really enjoy it because you already have you have the necessary background of the the guts of this story to be able to play with it because yeah, they're it's, very it's a, flexible plays. It's a great <laughs> place to see a play for the first time. Yeah, it is. And we oh. have we have kids that remember the one year Henry the Fourth that yeah. you play Prince Hal, where these two sisters and their family came. So many rehearsals, and they went to uh, the girls went to at least five shows, yeah. and the one had her birthday party yeah, at our show. Came with the birthday party. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was kind of wild. Well, I, I've had a couple <laughs> friends have their weddings after seeing our shows at, on that stage. Oh, oh wow! But uh, I, I'm going to tell the story that I uh, the uh, Mill Valley Historical Society just did a wonderful write up of the history of the curtain, which just came out, and uh, I gave them the anecdote that I always love. Um, the very first show, which we it was only envisioned, it was believed it was going to be a one-shot thing, three days. We did Friday, Saturday, Sunday in the year 2000, and um, as you like. and this this girl uh, who was three years old came and sat in the front row and watched the entire production of As You Like It. Did not budge. She came the next day in costume. <laughs> she came the third day in costume. <laughs> Her name is Julia Todd Hunter. And the next year, she was in the show. She was the changeling child in Midsummer, and then she was also mm-hmm. in The Tempest. That's right. She was a spirit in The Tempest. Yeah. So I mean, it was kind of like a life-changing experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was amazing. I, I get misty when I think of it. Actually, <laughs> it's actually, no, it's really. Yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 beautiful. What 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 you what what you what you you, you guys have done for this this community and then the especially the young people in this community who like you said a lot of theater is really inaccessible to young people because of how highbrow a lot of it is in terms of interpretation and and, and all that stuff and also because you know You're what inside. parent wants to spend what? spend thirty dollars to bring their kid to a show they might not understand or right. come inside and sit down and be quiet yeah you know that's the huge advantage of being yeah. and where we are you can bring a kid if they're not ready for this they watch it for twenty minutes they go over to the playground <laughs> it's fine you can come back and see yeah. the end you know yeah. you, it's there uh, yeah, yeah. uh, that it's you can safely. Mm-hmm. But it, and it's not a kid's show, um, uh, so we don't, as I say, dumb it down. So some kids will, especially very young kids, get it, and I think it's because they're used to not understanding all the language. Yeah, totally. They are, they to- they spend their lives working things in context, you know. So mm-hmm. they're not worried about the words. People will s- want to understand yeah. every word and let that go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I think that's because, an uh, underrated element of Shakespeare is that. You can still enjoy it with only saying under getting forty, fifty, sixty percent of the language what they're really saying because it just sounds good. Yeah, you know, and the people are acting and they're emoting, and so you're getting their character they know what and they're, they're saying. and they're getting you're getting the story even if you don't get all the language. And and that that latter part is key. Is you know we work very very hard with our actors with the music in it, the dance, the the, chor- the fight choreography, etc. You know, we work a ton on building characterizations, and what we found last year, and in, in we did Two Gentlemen of Verona, which is very rarely done, mm-hmm. and there's reasons for that, yeah. right? It took a lot of work to get that play up in a form, but it was also all the work that the characters, that we had the actors do on character, that everybody seemed to understand it very well. Yeah. But you had to have that. Mm-hmm. If you just came on and read the play, like most people did, it's just, oh... I'm not, I don't want to go to this. Really but people loved it. 
because of the way we do it. So far from dumbing it down, I think we actually do a really pretty good job of, of trying to get to the bottom plays and make them very interesting. So. Yeah, I noticed that with two gents. You know, we had people, it was a pretty common occurrence of people to be booing Nilsson when he walked off stage in those right. first few scenes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I, like, if I just, when I was reading the play for the first time, I didn't really get what Proteus was doing until, like, near the end of the show. Mm -hmm. But people picked it up quickly because of what you said, the characterization, because, you know, uh, me and Jillian were, 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 you know, as Valentin and Sylvia, um, were building that relationship, and then Nilsson as Proteus was building his whole characterization that even if you don't get the language, because that's some pretty complex language, you still understand the meaning behind mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, his his betrayals are so manifest, and he, <laughs> people are hissing him. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was that was you know, and no comment. And, and, and Nelson was going, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they hate me. Yeah. That's good. So there is an element of Korean melodrama to that play, and you get just leaned into it. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I think. I, I, if I'm, I'm correct if I'm wrong, but that's probably one of the reasons why you continue to do Shakespeare because okay. it's it's these very universal stories that like, mm -hmm. anyone can understand. And not only are they universal in the sense that they really are dealing with basic human experience and an amazing understanding of it, but if you do it all your life, boy, these plays they just change. Mm -hmm. no, Every time no. you see them, you identify with different people in it and different. Mm -hmm. And as we, you know, we we're talking about Romeo and Juliet. And now I'm a grandmother. I, when I first started this, I identified with Juliet, and mm -hmm. now I identify with the parents. Right. It's like the downfall of these families. You know, mm -hmm. that's where it's like ah, the kids in trouble again. No, but that, but it is. I told you. But it is. It feeds you stuff all of your life yeah. that you get. Um, there's there's wonderful this, there's this upstairs downstairs thing of it. You know, it's the low low class people. Mm -hmm. And the high class people, and he he zooms in on both of them, mm -hmm. and you know he's definitely like he was playing, he was writing for a crowd, which was a mixed crowd. It's, and the Shakespeare plays were put put on at court, but they were also put on in the rabble of London. Yeah. So he had to do things that appealed to, you know, a certain he clientele. Had to put a lot of basically, basically he had to appeal to <laughs> totally different clientele. Yeah. And so he had a great. And the other thing I think about it, about my theory about him is also. One of the things that's so different about him is all the characters are three-dimensional. Even these people that have like one line and just move across the stage. And the reason that is because Shakespeare worked with that guy for 20 years. And he's not, he can't act his way out of a paper bag. And I'm not going to give him a bad part. Yeah. And I'm going to give him a good part because he's fucking lifted my, my things for yeah. 20 years. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and that's really important. One of the things that I think we try to do with the curtain as well is we've got... We've got a stable of people who've been with us for a long time, acting and, and involved. And then we always have new people, and it's wonderful. But you'll often see experienced actors who've been with us for ages play small parts, mm -hmm. right? I've done it, Michelle's done it, we've all done it. And that's really important because, you know, where productions often fall down is when the lesser parts are it's not good, even, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas if you get really good actors, even doing the smaller parts, as Don said, Shakespeare wrote these things with in three dimensions, so mm -hmm. you can make make a, a meal out of them. Yeah. And we try to do that a lot. So, totally. I, I think it might be a good moment <laughs> to talk about how the, it's changed from its early years sure. to mm -hmm. now, because it's, sure. it's, it has gone through a large arc. And in its first, as they say, scrappy years, 
we couldn't have. I mean, we were practically pulling people off the street to play parts. <laughs> you were laughing the other day about how in our first Midsummer Night's Dream, I don't think we had any fairies who were under the age of 60. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a take. Uh, which is a take. It was, no, it was a take. It was a take, but it was a necessity. And it was, so and it always worked because there was an element of kind of just madness that we got it all put together and there were so few of us running I mean there were years when I kind of was basically doing everything um, mm. that was working up and we we're just kind of reaching the end of our ability to stretch any further with not with what we had you know with like three volunteers that didn't live in Marin and, you know it's kind of like what are we doing and one day we we uh, had a we were getting Mary Wives up mm. and our director's mother got sick up north and she had to leave right before we started um, rehearsals and things. And so we had to drop the play right away. And we stuck this in... This is much ado, right? No, no. This, I think, was oh. when Susanna left with and Mary, and Mary Wives was going to go up. That's why oh. I put Mary Wives up later. Oh, okay. Next right, year. Right, right. But uh, mm-hmm. we had to make a sudden substitution, and one of our board members writes musicals. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a music. She had written a musical she wanted to put up on that was... Um, uh, built on comedy of errors, mm. so we put that up. We are not a musical company. Mm. <laughs> We're a lot more now, especially back then. So we had no singers, no dancers, and we, you know, and no keyboard. You know, mm. it's kind of like, and we had to suddenly reboot for that, and and we did it. It was, you know. <laughs> well, you know, it's Some funny people because love uh, that pe- people actually—that's when I joined. It, yeah, and I mean, so one day and, we're in the park going, "What are we going to do?" And Steve walked through the park, mm-hmm. and we yeah, so somebody just said, "You mm-hmm. <laughs> here, mm-hmm. <laughs> read this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Steve, and we we just we you know as he left, we thought, "Oh my God, he dances, he sings, mm-hmm. <laughs> he walks, he talks, he crawls on his belly like a reptile," mm-hmm. and he just arrived at the perfect time uh-huh. we just needed that's mm. the piece we needed right then and then he was also wonderful and lived next to the park and could handle the politicians that we were having a hard time mm-hmm. handling so uh, 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 that really just, was a turning you know I was I, as we were we're here in the, the church um uh, it's the Church of Our Savior is yes. called. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I was thinking about the other thing was hand to mouth in the early years is where to rehearse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And yeah. we rehearsed sometimes in Michael Clifford's house in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. We rehearsed at various various random places, including the Mill Valley Golf Club House at times. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember where else we were. When the early in Throckmorton before before um, they had. You know, when she had just bought it, but she hadn't fixed it up yet. Yeah, so sure. it was sort of like no lights kind of. Right. We actually did a production there, but um, mm. but but it is yeah. this you know besides we'll get into Steve's contributions in more depth. But the but the, the just this church is just such a godsend. Oh my! I mean, it's it's, it's, in, it's location perfectly. plus all its attributes and facilities yeah. are and it, so. It's been helpful. such a supportive. Yeah. I mean, that really made us suddenly feel like, oh, I guess the community will support yeah. us mm-hmm. doing this. They're really good to us. Yeah. So I'd love to uh, rewind in, in the history. You mentioned when, like, Steve coming through the park mm-hmm. and you guys seeing Steve and that, you know, was a turning point in the curtain. Before that, like, what what was the, the founding of the Curtain Theater like? So there were, um, there were four people in Mill Valley who mm-hmm. got together and thought they wanted to do a, actually, uh, they wanted to do a centennial show. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They were John Leonard, who had a lot of political um, jobs and various committee things, and I think was mayor for a while. He and, was mayor, yeah. Right. That mm-hmm. he, it was his idea initially. He's not a 
theater person, but he had hung around with a lot of theater people in the East Bay. And, uh, and, and Abby Wasserman, who um, had a theater background, he asked her to come in, and, and they said, well, let's talk to Michael Clifford, who was also a Mill Valley person, but living in Berkeley then, mm-hmm. which started, was one of the people who started Berkeley Rep, and then started the California Shakespeare, it wasn't called Berkeley Shakespeare Festival, then. And, and uh, so she had, she was in, insane for Shakespeare, and mm-hmm. And for and believed that anything could be done, despite the fact that we didn't have the people or the money or the you know. It was like <laughs> she just never let anything get in the way. Totally. And we had four weeks theoretically to put up as you like it for this. But we should one mention weekend. the fourth person is Steve Coleman. Oh, and Steve Coleman, of and, course, who was a friend of all. They all grew up together. They all they all knew each other. And, together, and yeah. Steve's uh, you know sort of it was his vision in the sense of of what could be we could how we could make this space a, a, a right because you know, he's always been somebody who deeply understands the park mm-hmm. and uh, and so then um, Michael I had worked with in a we did her my dad knew her dad we'd known each other all of our lives really at various times but I had been in a Moliere in the parks um, mm-hmm. company in, in the Midwest that she ran Hmm. And um, yeah, we knew her in, in the Twin Cities as well as mm-hmm. San Francisco, the Twin Cities, back to California. It's wow. Funny, so we both kind of moved back to California at the same time. So she called she called me up to come in and and work on this project. And and Don, she knew Don as well, who got dragged in with probably uh, no idea what was happening to him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, show was, the show was a Shakespeare person, a theater person, and I was totally not, just a, a, a music person. Um, and, but we did As You Like It, and that has the part, Amiens, you know, the wandering yes, minstrel. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I played that role. Oh. And, uh, you know, it's one of the few and hopefully only times I have had some speaking lines in a play. I don't, I don't, I'm not an actor. She's pretty hilarious. That's true. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so we just thought we'd do that one show, and we had just a few weeks to put the whole thing together. So yeah. it was grabbing a lot of actors, mostly who were friends of Michael's, and just kind of throwing it together down there. Mm-hmm. And it was so great. It was so exciting and so fun. It was so beautiful because we had Steve Coleman behind mm-hmm. us, who was a genius with, you know, just beautiful things appearing mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, the so we decided after the we finished that long weekend that we would try and do it again next year and it just got a little longer and a little longer and we met resistance with the mm. park because they were telling them to give up their stage uh, during very um, profitable times for yeah. wedding, uh, booking yeah. weddings and to get, and to play fair with them the city had basically told Parks and Recs that they needed to support themselves mm. and that so that they it was they needed an income and that was mm-hmm. a major source of income so we had a very hard time so kind it was of initially communicating. Jo- it was very initi- important initially that we had John Leonard who with his connections in the community initially because right. a lot of us were coming from you know right. Berkeley and Oakland yeah right and, and they just they kind of wore John out um, after a while anyone who worked with worked it's totally changed now I mean mm-hmm. we're much in much better shape but it was really pretty difficult and I didn't want to be a carpetbagger coming in and saying I'm going to do this stuff for Mill Valley. I lived here in high school, but you know, I was a long time that I had not been in Mill Valley, and uh, so I was only willing to do this if the Mill Valley people were involved in it. And we we're kind of at the edge of that, where everybody who's actually doing the work were all in the East Bay. We could not get a Marin mm-hmm. person who would come through in the long run until Steve showed up, and then Steve showed up and he just put that Steve energy right when we <laughs> needed it and uh, uh, and brought the whole 
choreography and God help us fighting and stuff um, yeah. into play. So then it started to kind of get back on being more like a, you know, approaching it more professionally. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it went through a couple of different artistic directors. We had one um, who had to move away because up north she was wonderful, Susanna Woods, and she brought things like, she said, we need chairs for the audience. Things like just, you know, basic stuff. We just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd never well, thought that. Yeah, you know? One of the changes was we used to play and act out in the dirt in front of the stage. Mm. We, we didn't. So she said, she said, no, we need audience there. Put all the action on the stage. Mm-hmm. That was one of her mm-hmm. contributions. Right. Sure. And the idea of chairs. Uh, right. which I was, I was working at Stinson uh, Shakes for a long time. And right, it, it happened to be hit right when they closed. And so they had a lot of chairs. Yeah. <laughs> they put on the side of, of the road. So I took my bands down and we picked up chairs. We still are using them, probably not that safe, using the old Stinson Bless Their Hearts uh, chairs. But she was more interested in creating a professional theater, and so she was. Uh, um, she, she she kind of pushed us towards working more professionally, and um, that's just kind of basically not going to happen here. I mean, we, it's really important to us that we don't become a professional theater. Yeah. We have Marin Shakes. We have uh, we have professional theater in in uh, mm-hmm. in Marin. And I I used to work in professional theater. I didn't want to go back to that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to deal with unions anymore. I did. It was like that's not mm-hmm. why I want to do the Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. The Shakespeare is kind of too close to me to make it into the job. Yeah. And uh, so, and you could never quite pull it that way but mm-hmm. she did a re- she, she pushed us as far as it's possible to go nice. without doing that so she really cleaned us and, up and she yeah. uh, had she did well the first show did Love's Labor's Lost which was a bizarre experience because it got pushed into October so the Dark. shows were like in this kind of fog and it was right. very strange but, but she, had a, she had a nice concept it was in, in the Middle East so there was sort of like belly dance and the kind of music was kind of cool to do that and, yeah but then but her midsummer was really really good and she she attracted this cadre of people who were like wanted these young people that they wanted to actors who wanted to like move in together and live together for the rest of their lives it was it was like this kind of, it was really a kind of a cult of personality. <laughs> But I think the Midsummer was just exceptionally good, good. Mm-hmm. and um, and then the the Twelfth Night she said in the Old South, which was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, but then she moved on, and then uh, she had to, she, she had to move up north, and, and, uh, but she and she started um, uh, a really good professional Shakespeare festival up in, on um, Cambridge Island, Whidbey Island, Whidbey Island. Yeah, Whidbey Island. So that's been going on for a long time. I've heard of that company. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good company. It's very similar outdoor, beautiful outdoor space. And she had a lot of imagination at figuring out how to deal with the space. I mean, at Whidbey, they went, they bought a big old circus tent to put up, Hmm. mainly because it rains up there all the time. Uh, But she she was always able to kind of think out of the box and get us to do some things we hadn't thought we could do you know that we could she had worked at Dominican right yeah she was teaching at Dominican when she so she she had contacts with a lot of uh, young people there. yeah mm-hmm. there so that was great um, nice. and we she did several years and then and we had one kind of uh, we had a couple we had Tam High came in and kind of they did Romeo and Juliet for a, uh, a year and we were just kind of like a little unsettled in totally. there and so finally I just said okay I'm taking over and, and, and uh, this is a because um, mm-hmm. 
I, I think that I understand how we work, which yeah. we work a little bit more as a cooperative than we do Definitely. as a as what would be normally a top-down theater. Totally. So you've really got to be able to work with the skills around you. Mm-hmm. You can't really control that as much as you might if you were working in a, in a season, mm-hmm. a theater that has a season and a staff that's just in there to produce a season. We have to really be... Um, would you say engaged and also um, uh, sort of flexible? Fle- flexible, but you know, own the play. You yeah. have to ask a lot of different people. Though you you know what Steve Coleman can do. Don't ask him to do a gray rock background for Romeo and Juliet. You know, yeah. it's sort of that you do find the, using the strengths of the company makes it really feel like a company. Yeah, and I think it's benefited a lot from it because we get new that comes in and, and uh, I think people really feel that actually it I feels think like it, a family it, it, it does because the, the board members all of us are really really passionate yeah. about the shows about the music about everything in the yeah. shows um, but there's also no overweening egos here like everybody's got an ego but like we work together really really well mm-hmm. uh, and and the whole the whole thing there's like a, a comradely you know movement forward to get the best out of everybody in yeah. this thing uh, and I think that really shows to actors. I think it does. And because yeah. there is a lot of of, of labor that in, required of our actors that a lot of people don't have to put up with. Starting with the costume, you, there's no place to store anything yep. there. So everybody has to take how many costumes they have. They've got to take them home, take care of them, make sure they get don't get filthy in the park. And and there's things like that. There's all it's basically like camping in the woods. So we mm-hmm. have to bring everything down, set up the backstage. You know, set up tarps so we're not just totally immersed in dust, and and um, so there, there it requires people to say, you know, can I help you lift that? You know, yeah. can mm-hmm. lug these mm-hmm. things down? Can we need some yeah. help doing this? And people, you know, it's a nobody's job description. You know, they, you can't. Uh, there can't be sort of like union, you know, like no. oh, I don't do that. You know, I need a break every. Everybody's got a muck in. Minutes. You know, it's like everybody's got a muck in. Exactly. It's a little yeah. bit more like a traveling theater that way. Yeah. Which you feel like you're, you've got to, you got to get it off the wagon. You've got to get back. But there's, on the but wagon. there's also a, a passion to make really good theater. Yes, I think that's you know? really true. Uh, and that's I think that's getting more and more and more as we go mm-hmm. along. And I think actors feel that everybody involved feels it and I think it, it brings more people to us yeah. which is really great yeah um, I just wanted to say that back to the historical flow just a little bit so so Michelle hadn't really directed um, you know in this in this company and then you came back and it struck, correct me if I'm wrong here but I believe it was as you like it again, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and that was very successful. And then was it Merry Wives? Much ado. Much ado. Much ado. We did Merry Wives early on because we had to. We had already. Kind of was set it Merry it Wives? First. Merry Wives came out. No, it was because it was, I, I started. You with, started with. I started with Hot Day in Ephesus, and then it was As You Like It, Much Ado, and then I think Merry Wives. Okay. After that. Anyway, roughly those in those shows, and they were really good. Mm-hmm. And, it was exciting. And, um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of uh, just a lot of great stuff. We just had. I felt like we kind of got some we got the right new talent in the in the pieces so we didn't have to compromise anywhere mm-hmm. like right. we could really do what we wanted to mm-hmm. visualize and didn't have to worry so much right. <laughs> yeah I mean we've mostly done comedies you know and uh, it really helps in the park you get people mm-hmm. laughing yeah you know you really I mean you've given them something yeah right um, and it's a matinee 
it's, it's a matinee, but but it really it definitely is, it makes it a lot easier to go for laughs and and uh, it's you know which is easier to do when you've got you know dogs running around and bikes and yeah, and, and yeah. And leaf mowers, but but the, because I think as Steve has pointed out that we're getting more and more casts now who we can actually really challenge. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to just we don't have to spend time really too much time on language. It's mm-hmm. like how to speak this, how to do this. So coming in with a lot of skills already means that we can really go for the emotional heart, especially yeah. when you start preparing them like Steve does like three months in advance. That's pretty <laughs> willing actors. Um that um it means that we can take more challenging plays on, mm-hmm. and it's uh, so it's the reason we can come back to R and J. That we, uh, I think, we're still a little ways from doing Lear, but yeah. you know, <laughs> we can pro- mm-hmm. we can certainly do the romances. We might do something as crazy as Cymbeline and get away with it now. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to say because we were talking about getting into today where the curtain is. You know, in. 2020, we had the pandemic, the shelter in place, theaters closed. I know Twelfth Night was postponed a year for right. for you guys, um, and then uh, um, a lot of when 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 restrictions started lifting, a lot of theaters didn't reopen, and a lot of theaters are still suffering today. Um, I you know everybody Main Stage West recently closed. Central Works just posted something about what their next season might look like. Cal Shakes isn't doing a season this summer, which. Could have a lot of reasons behind it, but a lot of theaters are going through this turmoil and this this change. What has Curtain looked like in the last few years, and you know, like 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 how have you guys re- reacted to all of that? Well, actually, I think being small and scrappy mm-hmm. and low paid budget. off for us in this situation. <laughs> low budget, low budget. Yeah. we didn't have to support a building that was empty. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to return tickets to people who are coming. It's like. It was hard, and we and it's heartbreaking to have to cancel a show. Yeah. It's like we finally did, but um, it was nothing as difficult as if we were running. No full time staff. No mm-hmm. staff that we had to lay off. No, you know, it was like we could pull in our horns and say, see, "Let's see what happens." Yeah. And then, amazingly, um, twelve. We were. I loved the twelfth night cast, and I, I was really distressed that we had to cancel it. And we got. Almost everyone back mm-hmm. that came. That never happens mm-hmm. when you have to mm-hmm. restage something that you actually get the cast that you right. had originally cast. Mm-hmm. You know that's just unheard of and because we, we the pandemic the plug, meant nobody had anywhere else to go. You know, if you go back, we pulled the plug quite late, and it was like you know Mar- March of 2020 was when mm-hmm. everything shut down, and we didn't cancel. I don't think till like right or like late June. Yeah, so we were like we were just right up to the time when we had to decide to go yeah. and. And it just became clear there was no possible way to do it. Um, yeah. But then we were the other thing about us is we were so lucky is when we did reconvene, as Michelle said, we got the actors back. But also we're outside. Yeah. So yes. so we too. could. I mean, the audience. It's really a, you know if the audience is not going to come, there's no point in us being there. Yeah. So so we basically you know we we um, we we did a lot of things to try to reduce our uh, our risks you know mm-hmm. we rehearse out here in the courtyard we 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 set the audience back we we sort of divorced the band we had uh, you know like the band and I, the whole audience was was mass we sort of I, we didn't, I'm sure we insisted we, but, but we no, the park we, park thankfully we, legislated we, so we, we, we asked the, we asked the audience <laughs> this is 2021 now yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was 2021. Yeah, 2021, we came back and, and, and the audience was masked. Mm-hmm. And um, and it all it all worked 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but what was, was sort of interesting is that here in 2022, um, it was, that's the year we had the trouble with all the people getting COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was, was, was last year. Yeah. And, and the, like, um, like right after, yeah. I mean, we had several, a couple of people drop out and had to be subbed in by, by understudies. And then like right after the show, I mean, like you and I you went, and, you and like went everybody got it. three or four people went down right. I went down right yeah, after the show. Right ended. when the show yeah. ended. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny Thank because. God it was after. We just yeah. made it. Well, the exactly. We just, the, it, the timing was just so uh, yeah. blessed. And it wasn't just us. I'm, it was happening everywhere. All the community mm-hmm. theaters had just started opening again and stuff. Everybody was canceling shows. Yeah. COVID really hit mm-hmm. again. You know, without, you know, people thought, well, it's done, but it wasn't done. I no. mean, it's not done now. No. It's just, so it's become the new reality. Um, we now, as, you know, as Steve has bitterly learned, have to put understudies in place right away. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, you just have to expect it, stuff to happen. Right. And, and it's the best you can do with backup, but it is a new reality. And the indoor theaters are—it's hit harder. Yeah, I also think the fact that you guys mentioned that curtain is really this, 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 this collective. You know, it's it that helps in a time like this because I remember throughout the entire rehearsal process of Two Gents, whenever someone was down with COVID, somebody stepped in. We were right. constantly having to move, and you changed rehearsal schedule like four or five times because oh I got God. sick <laughs> the first week, and I'm in like every other scene, so you can't, you know, you can't rehearse for a while. Flexibility. Um, so you kept changing things around, and you know, we didn't have to cancel a single show. No. We didn't have to, you know, like we con- it, it, even when 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 like the last weekend came and we lost an actor due to uh, COVID. It was like no sweat. Like yeah, we, yeah. we can do this. There's no yeah, problem. The show's gonna happen just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's you know that's a credit to to Steve's planning. But some people really stepped up and yeah. learned their lines. Yeah, um, exactly. and yeah, that was great. Yeah, and again, that's a company feel. That's a company. It, right? feel. Yeah, it is very much a company feel, and mm-hmm. I, I love being part of it. I've always loved being part of this 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 company, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's partly the setting, it's partly the community, it's partly the quality and, um, of what we do. Exactly. But there also is this sense of it's a really great company of actors yeah. and and art artists. And I always say, you know, in my things that I write uh, in for the program, you know, thank God for you know the ever creative board mm-hmm. of the Curtain Theater, and it's absolutely true. And that's led by Michelle, who's the artistic director at the top, you know, and that kind of sets the tone. Yeah. And I've been in theater companies before where it's not like that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not yeah. an easy it's, thing to run, generally. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. It, so I think it, it, it permeates from down, and, and that's why. I think we created an environment last year with that show with all the difficulties of changing schedules and people going down is that people just said, okay, we're just moving on. Just do it. (laughs) And it really does help. I've really been doing theater way too long. (laughs) It's like I hate to think how many decades I've been doing this. I am so proud of the shows that we do. Mm. I just feel like this is the kind of theater I've always wanted to do. I mean, mm. I really love the shows. And mm. we watch the band. We're in the band. we got to sit on the side of the stage. We have to watch every show. Yeah. So every we see a lot. Every line every show. We know them all. So you got to be good or we yeah. get bored. And we never do. We always adore it. It's just, um, uh, it's a privilege. I mean, it's a great playwright. You, it's, you can't get a better writer yeah, behind you. you got that. But the shows are just gorgeous they're yeah. just gorgeous and uh that it it's a uh, so pleasing <laughs> I, I wanted to briefly mention that you know every single performance at least performance i've been involved with i don't know if every performance of the curtain mm-hmm. has 
a live band, which is, you know, a rarity even in musical theater today. Right. And a live band that is performing original music written by members of the band. Yeah. So, you know, you guys are part of that band. I wonder how, <laughs> like, could you two talk about, well, like... It's it's interesting. It's, it, you know, it, um, I'm trying to think of how this evolved because, you know, it, it, as, as maybe some people don't realize, you know, there's songs in a lot of Shakespeare's plays, but we basically don't know the melodies mm-hmm. to any of the songs. Exactly, yeah. So... That's often a thing people do is write melodies to Shakespeare's words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't remember where the very first ones get, but, but Michelle and I would usually, you know, we'd play Celtic music. We would bring in things that we knew. To, you know, basically, it's sort of a Celtic band that, you know, tries to put on a French veneer style. of Italy or, or whatever, wherever we are. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it was it's a Celtic band. Italian, right? And um, so I'm trying to remember the places I f- first got asked to write stuff. Mm-hmm. I know... Um, I know Susanna did ask me. Basically, it just kind of gradually grew this idea of composing. Yeah. And um, what was um, what was a little more audacious is putting in lyrics, my lyrics <laughs> yes. in the Shakespeare plays. <laughs> so that was a little a little strange. <laughs> so the first one we actually used it in Michelle's uh, production of, of Twelfth Night, but I did it in. I wrote this song called Illyria that was in mm-hmm. that was in Mich- that Michael's uh, initial Twelfth uh, Night back, mm-hmm. which was our third or fourth production, and um, I just kind of sung it, kind of you know, at the break, and nobody really noticed. I didn't really kind of sort of push myself out into that, mm-hmm. and then I remembered for um, the um, Much Ado, I wrote this song called "There's a Mess in Messina." Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny. Which, I, but again, I didn't really kind of really make it part of the show, so it's kind of a little bit on the side, you know, putting mm-hmm. these things on, and gradually getting more to the point where, yes, we do the Shakespeare songs, but I would, you know, allow myself a song or two, mm-hmm. like in the tw- actually also another thing. What was one of the first one was in the initial production of, uh, I should say the. Um, We've done Twelfth Night three times actually. Uh-huh. I, in the in the Susanna Woods production of Twelfth Night, I wrote the song called "The Thorns Among the Roses" that that, that yes. we that we that we sang again in the um, in the um, in mine yeah, yeah and, mm-hmm. and there's no it's just like Olivia you know, we just put Olivia singing a song in the middle of the show which is kind of you know Shakespeare didn't do that you know, that's mm-hmm. that's totally our idea. But uh, but Mary, the woman who acted uh, the part in that production, had a really sweet voice, and mm-hmm. and Farron, who kind of you know got into that role kind of last minute, you know she wasn't so much a you know diehard singer, but you know she did a good job with it, yeah. and uh, and we had some harmonies on that. And, and for for a purely technical point of view, we're outside, we have no lights. Yeah, we have no uh, we have no way of getting audience back into their seats after intermission. But there's some things that you need the music to do. That lighting, or would it do otherwise? And that mm-hmm. is that you know that or sound, you know, it's piped mm-hmm. in, is to set mood, to cover the fact that we have a costume change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some songs have come yeah. in because yeah. we had a double casting and they gotta change a costume. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and also, it helps set the you know if, if like we're doing it, this will be like our second or third in a row Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it so if it's a, so it has a little bit of Italian flavor, the music yeah. that helps kind of set that. Yeah. yeah. And how stuff is that. I was doing, uh, they used to, in, in Berkeley, there was something called Subterranean Shakes, which was um, 
mm-hmm. just a, a lot of actors would get together and we do these stage readings and mm-hmm. plays. Um, and when I was doing those, I ran across Hal, who was playing ba- violin yeah, Hal on Hughes, the. Yeah. yeah, Hal Hughes was just. He was. He. Uh, he's. You hardly ever meet musicians who, especially the you know kind of writing trad sort of music, who understand theater, who mm-hmm. or actually would mm-hmm. play behind actors. And uh, he was just underscoring. Um, he would just underscore monologues and things and all sorts of usually, parts of the uh, plays. Usually, often impro- improvised. Right. Uh, imp- usually, if you're underscoring, improvisation is the easiest thing to do because you have to follow what the actor's doing. And he was really good at it. Wow. So I said, you belong with us. <laughs> <laughs> but but meanwhile, us. he's written like more than a thousand no, tunes. he's got books just, of tunes. He's just written. like in the Scottish kind of tradition. So, so when, when a, a new production comes up, I usually write stuff from scratch. How it's more like we pull from his bag right. and, and right. sees where, and he's got things that you know are really good for underscoring under things, crooked and, uh, tunes, and uh, give you an idea how how this works as well. If you take last year's show, Two Gentlemen of Rona, so you have the outlaw scene where they meet Valentine, right? And you read the play, and you could kind of make it comic, but but it's not very much, right? Mm-hmm. So Don and I talked about so, oh, this has got to be a song. <laughs> and so he writes a song and I do this wild, funny dance. And all of a sudden, it's like it's a centerpiece of the show. Everybody mm-hmm. loves it. Yeah. You know, and I just came totally from working and having the ability of someone to create a song out of it. Yeah. Right? So yeah, it and really made I, it different. Then the song for... Um, Sylvia, yeah, isn't oh, that yeah. wasn't that basically the, the cover a costume change or the cover Jamin yeah. costume changing yeah, from the doll? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Right. But that was you know it's like you know I, we need we need this here. It's like you know I'm a journalist. I'm used to deadline. I need this many words in a certain time period. You know, deliver it then. And so I'm mm-hmm. that's kind of the, I I don't really usually compose much music besides this, but uh, it helps to have like a uh, I needed to do this and to you know be here and cover this much time and, and that helps me uh, yeah. and again that was a really lovely song right. Right. it was I, Isabel Grimm in that show and she's been in a lot of shows at the curtain she, she calls them Elizabethan bops Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever there's a really good one, she's like, she's got we, we got that Elizabethan bop that uh, Jillian sings in Two Gentlemen Rona, Fair and Sane Elizabethan bop the year before. I, 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 I thought that was a funny term. I, yeah. I'm it's going to miss her this year. It's a delicate balance trying to put music in under the play without it becoming a musical. I mean, yeah. people really do turn these plays into musicals successfully, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not doing musicals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and we have a, a very acoustic band. And yeah. they're basically, you know, it's fiddle, a concertina, and and a flute with guitars. And when you come in, as we've we've had some musical productions, or ones that were, we did a shrew that was full of kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And the director was a very, uh, you know, a very slick production. But he kept coming up and asking us to do basically big band music. Yeah, and it was sure. like. Big band music. Okay, guys. <laughs> and it's actually comedy of errors. No, it's oh, well, comedy, it's comedy errors. Errors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I was I was a jazz band singer. <laughs> That's why I remember. And, 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 Where's our um, jazz band? And so he basically he if that was a kind of a rarity because he he picked all the tunes and they're all 1920s oh, jazz okay. tunes. Yeah. And thank God we found this guy named Ben Brown. Oh, who is yeah. uh, a, 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 not only a music geek but a theater musical theater geek mm-hmm. and the guy can play any instrument in the world but he's mainly a trumpet player but basically he totally made the band acceptable 
as as kind of jazz. Totally. And, yeah, and, if you have and for both that show <laughs> and and Hot Day in Ephesus, which is the musical, you know, die straight out musical based on comedy bearers, um, that, those were plays we needed piano. We needed so that meant electricity. And that's yeah. like the slippery slope of, of you know, <laughs> wires and you know right. everything. And, and then if you amplify the piano, you've got to amplify other instruments to kind of bring it up. Okay. And then the, you know, are you drowning out the, you know, so it, it becomes, you know, I think I, I, I really, um, I really relish, you know, the no electricity uh, yeah. philosophy. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So I, I want to end us off with one more question to all three of you. Okay. I want to go through one at a time. It, you've said many reasons why, but I want to know, like, you guys have been doing this for a while now. What keeps you coming back every single year to putting on these, you know, just this huge undertaking, which is putting on live theater in a park, uh, even though it's low budget at this this caliber, you know? So, mm-hmm. Steve, I'll start with you, and then we'll go down the line. I mean, I think it starts, and you can say this probably for all of us, is like, I've loved Shakespeare since I was a little boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time I read it, I loved it. I was able to take a four-year Shakespeare in high school. That's all I did for literature that full year in rural Canada, which is mm-hmm. kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's the main thing. I love Shakespeare being part of it and bringing out these plays in a way that the audience can understand and grasp everything they're doing, but also be thoroughly entertained, yeah. is extremely rewarding. So one is, is the Shakespeare side of it. The another one is, I always try to get actors at some point, you know this, when we're getting ready for production, I get them to go back and sit on the benches okay. and, ju- and, and I ju- just look at where you are. Look at where you are in this wet, redwood grove. You're getting to perform the best plays ever written in this environment. Uh, and that's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. And then the third element is that the, the community, because I really, as someone who lives in Mill Valley, I feel this is super important for the community as a whole, for kids to get exposure to Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, kids almost universally come and love it. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a really profound thing that, that, that we, we, we do in that. And being part of the community and adding, that's another thing for me that's just really important. So to be those... Those things really. Nice. Yeah, I'm the son of an English lit professor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, didn't go into that. Uh, uh, you know, went to journalism instead. But you know, I was always around. Uh, you know, kind of that environment. But also, my father was uh, a writer of musicals, and so he he taught at Caltech, and he wrote funny musicals about science, songs about science, and things like that, about the Richter scale, and about. Uh, Fortran and genetics and all kinds of stuff. So, so although you know that I wouldn't say that that environment was exactly literary, it was you know it was kind of informed by these things. Like his 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 musicals would often invoke you know quote Shakespeare or something hmm. like that. He he did musicals actually in my elementary school PTA. I remember. In fact, I, I, you'll know this, but uh, it was a, the framing device for this thing was these these two people were writing a musical about this thing, and and there it was it was. Clark and Davis shows written while you wait. <laughs> you took that to heart. But, but, uh, but anyway, so I guess uh, you know, just being, you know, I, I, if it were not for Michelle, who has always been an actor, I would never have gotten into any of this. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'm a music, you know, I've always been played music. So this was kind of, you know, this was not a path I. It, it kind of, you know, came to us, ra- me rather late in life. But, but it's very important for our our marriage really to have something to do and I think this is one of the reasons marriages break up is because they don't have a common interest that, that something to do together 
to have something, you know, after you stop raising the kids, what, what, what's your, what's your chore? What's, what are you, what are you doing? To, what's your project? Mm-hmm. And for, I mean, frankly for us, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of this is just, you know, this is our, this is our family project. That's true. And I, I agree with everything Steve said. That's, he really hit those, but I got the bug very young and I, and I, I threw myself at it and mm-hmm. Ashlyn, I can, I can blame on that on Ashlyn, but, um, you know, I, I was doing Shakespeare festivals when I was about eighteen. From then on, I just kept going, and uh, it's um, so I so it's something that's very dear to me. And the reason that I love to do this, uh, the curtain, is that really it's the moment when you're if you're sitting in the band, you get to you're watching the audience through the play. The moment when you look up and you see a rapt audience, hmm. and it's this it's you're sharing the best with them yeah <laughs> just and they were really wrapped last year yeah, they were really yeah, wrapped really. last year yeah, yeah and, that, and for two gentlemen to ruin it that that is an ugly little play you know, <laughs> I never <laughs> taken on that play and I thought Steve was out of his mind mm. when he said he wanted to do it but uh, I was uh, proved wrong in a big way I was mm. just delighted to be um, but it is just this sort of feeling that whoa this is just it's a high this little moment when mm-hmm. everyone comes together like the audience and the, the the play and the design and the actors and they all hit this one point and it's just like magic and to be able to take something I love so much mm-hmm. and share it in that way is I mean, it's a privilege I can't imagine anywhere anywhere yeah. else it's just wonderful well thank you guys so much for being on the podcast um yeah, tune in uh, next time and when me and Steve Beecroft sit down to talk about this summer's production of Romeo and Juliet. All right, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thus ends this episode of Behind the Curtain, a production of the Curtain Theatre. The Curtain Theatre of Mill Valley, California, provides free outdoor theatre during the summer in Old Mill Park, focusing on Shakespeare and other classics. We do so out of love for great drama and in the belief that the gathering of audience and artists around great plays in this intimate and beautiful setting adds immeasurably to the quality of life in the community. We exist gratefully through the city sponsorship of the Mill Valley Arts Commission and Parks and Recreation Department, along with generous community donations. Information is available at curtaintheatre.org. If we do meet again, why, we shall smile. If not, why then, this parting was well made.